Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Welcome to the Journey Now podcast. My name is Kevin, and I'm here once again with two of my friends, and uh, Susie and Mike, as we continue our... Two of your best friends. All right. Uh, And confidants. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Colleagues. Cohorts. Yep. Co-laborers in the Lord. Wow. Here we go. (laughs) Brothers and sisters. There it is. Pastors. Yep. Yes. Um, We are in the middle of the series on the Upside Down Kingdom. And this last weekend, which would have been the first Sunday in May of 2022, um, Mike Erie broke open the Word of God Mm. (laughs) on prayer. Or did the Word of God break me open? And that could be it too. Wow. The sword cut you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. With that in mind, though, uh, we ventured into this this, um, two-week period of time on prayer, and it's prompted a lot of questions. We got a lot of text questions. It broke into a conversation on masks in the second gathering. Not the uh, COVID kind. No. Hypocritical. The the hiding behind. Right. Which we kind of talked about last week on the podcast, but uh, it just, it seems to be something people wrestle with because it is a reality. But with that, um, part of the questions and and things that go with this, we're going to talk about the sermon. We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer on this coming Sunday. That would be May eighth, Mother's Day. But um, some of the things that would be worthy of unpacking, and and just to give it a little bit of introduction, I'm going to ask Mike to talk just for a second about the three areas of righteousness that Jesus was talking against. And and why prayer is part of that? Go for that. Um, I, I don't know that he was talking against those areas of righteousness as much as he was critiquing the way the Pharisees had lowered or limited righteousness to just those three external acts, right? And then performed them in a very public manner so as to gain sort of the acclaim of the crowds. Mm-hmm. And so almsgiving, fasting, and prayer were the three, obviously these are deeply rooted in uh, Old Testament commands and wisdom. Israel was commanded to fast twice a year uh, as an entire community. The Pharisees added to that fasts twice a week, um, coincidentally on market days, evidently. So they could be seen. <clears throat> so that they could be seen. Yes. Obviously the, the Psalms are filled with prayers that were sung and recited uh, there was uh, an existence in Jesus' day, a series of blessings called the Amidah, which some think the Lord's Prayer is a shortened version of those. It was hmm. the 18 benedictions. And so they were, you know, and Peter, when Peter's praying at noon, there were three times a day that you would uh, pray, and there were set prayers that yep. you would um, recite. Obviously, spontaneous prayer was also something that, you know, was not discouraged. But um, the the Pharisees had taken what were these beautiful corporate and formative practices and turned them into sort of performative mask-wearing exercises instead. Right. And and with that, though, that, that leads good, really well into the, the conversation I wanted to have today around this idea of, form, of formative or pre-written prayers or prayers that are shared in common. Um, there's a... 
there's books that have written prayers in them that you can read and and there's there's um, in traditions in the United States within church traditions is practiced prayers and that's as we come into the um, the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says this is how you should pray we've turned that into a practice we've we recite it mm-hmm. and rather than see it in in light of possibly a way to, to structure a prayer mm-hmm. or to um, and so with that <clears throat> I wanted to have the conversation around a couple of things uh, the first being um, the idea of corporate prayer and the idea of formulaic prayer. So, and and sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. Corporate prayer could be somebody just standing in front of a church and saying, "All right, we're going to pray," mm-hmm. and everybody um, joins in that prayer somehow, some way. So, just your initial response to corporate prayer, its function within the church, and its reaction for people and what they're supposed to be doing while somebody is leading them in a corporate prayer, in a corporate setting. Thoughts on that? Well, I've experienced it a few different ways. Okay. Um, I've experienced it where there's somebody up front leading us in a prayer that we, you know, pray silently alongside. Mm -hmm. And then I've experienced it where there's someone up front praying and then we might either by ourselves or in smaller groups of two or three also pray out loud so there's a multitude of voices praying Mm. out loud right um i've also experienced it and we've done it this way at journey as well where there's like a call and response type of a prayer where there's the the congregation leader if you will pray something and then the congregation will pray in something else in agreement right so so all of those there's, are... Those are all different forms, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's more that mm-hmm. I'm not... In the typical Protestant evangelical American church, typical, I don't know if there is such a thing. I don't know that there is, because like the Presbyterians do a lot of call and response. Mm. Okay. What's your experience with it, Mike? Um, well, I mean, I come from... A tradition that emphasizes the individual over the corporate. Correct. And so um, I find corporate prayers to be absolutely helpful. Um, I mean, they're all over the Bible, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you were when you were ascending to the city, you were reciting mm-hmm. the Psalms of Ascent. Um, in synagogue, you which were, were reciting written prayers. prayers. Yeah, which by were other written people. prayers, right? In mm-hmm. the Psalms. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, the recitation of things, uh, I have no issue at all with that, and I think it's it, it can be a very very healthy corrective to kind of the me centered, mm-hmm. therapeutic, individualized conception of prayer that a lot of us have. The prayer is supposed to make me feel better. And so corporate prayers, I've experienced them as to be as, as a whole new world of what prayer is and should be, as opposed to just the spontaneous, you know, mm-hmm. God just do this and just do this. And, you know, if I work myself up into the right sort of mood, then I feel it. Um, I love the corporate. I love that we do a bit of that. I think the Bible does a bunch of it. Of course, they can become rote. Of course. But even the individual mm-hmm. teeny spontaneous prayers can be wrote too. So right. uh, so I've had a great experience with them. Yeah, and I think particularly, you know, I think about like I have a book of common prayer at home. Right. And 
and the valley of vision that's mm-hmm. another one mm-hmm. and i think sometimes when you don't know how to pray for something you know those offer words that you may not have but resonate mm-hmm. and so these ancient prayers that have been written you know long ago can come can become really helpful and meaningful Mm-hmm. Well, it teaches us, like in the Psalms, it teaches us a covenantal vocabulary. Yeah. So when you look, when you're reading the prayers of Lamentations, or you're reading the prayers, uh, some of which are positive and beautiful, some of which are laments. Um, they provide a vocabulary and an imaginative mm-hmm. set of um, concepts that that take us out of. You know, we're not the only people to be here and feel this way. Yeah, and I think I mean, there's not. So there's not, well, okay. So even if you, like, if you think about what praying in tongues. Oh, here we go. So people who pray in tongues, you know, there's, um, there's the thought that they are, they don't have the words, but the spirit gives them the words, the utterances to, to pray. So it's, you could look at it the same way. Like I don't have the words, so I'm going to go to the Psalms or I'm going to go to the Book of Common Prayer. Yeah. So um, the language of even the Lord's Prayer is in the vernacular of plural. It's in the we. Mm-hmm. Or, Give uh, us this uh, day. Yes. Our, our Forgive our, us. Our Father. Mm-hmm. Our. So how does, how does this idea of corporate prayer build in an identity or a, commu- a communal identity? Does it? Does it help build into a group of people community absolutely that's Mm -hmm. the that's the one of the major points of it you bet do you think that that connection is being made for people do you feel like when we no we've inherited (laughs) prayer (laughs) well i i don't think so i mean i think i think we've inherited um, an idea of prayer that is as we've said an exercise in Mm -hmm. You know, me working out whatever I'm feeling, and the goal is to feel better at the end of it. Right. And um, I think there's a part of that that can be true and helpful. But I think what corporate prayers do is they form and shape a community around a common set of mm-hmm. uh, covenantal language that, and that's why songs matter and the lyrics of songs matter. It's the same principle. Right. That 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 direction as well. Right. They, these are formation. Um, exercises that are to be done in community. Absolutely. And I think also one of the biggest things, I mean, like you talk about the faith you inherited was very individual and and the the prayer language and the prayer life you inherited was very Mm self-focused. I mean, I think even a huge thing that we've missed Mm -hmm. in the last 30, 40, 50 years Mm -hmm. is the corporate prayers of lament and confession and repentance. Right. I mean, that's totally become private, if right. at all. Right. In existence. Yeah, and therein lies the struggle of of the depth of community then, mm-hmm. because there isn't a corporate ownership of corporate sin. There is a individual. It's it's why we can deflect like things like racism. It's why we can deflect things mm-hmm. like that you see around us, but I don't participate in because as an individual, I don't see myself that way, but I'm part of a collective that might be. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to, to say that's somebody else's problem. Yeah. 
So how do we then? You opened up a can of worms. Well, no, <laughs> but I think I think this yeah. idea of of corporate identity mm-hmm. or the church is supposed to be a corporate. <laughs> I mean, it is supposed to be that. Mm-hmm. It is supposed to be a, a local embodiment of the of of the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would require all of us to participate. We as individuals don't do that. We do that together. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's like you kind of, we didn't, couldn't go into all of this because it's a whole nother sermon. But on Sunday, when you talked about the the gender of God, not being male or female. Well, now you're opening another no, one. No, <laughs> but I'm just like using that as an yeah. example that, you know, let us make man in our image. Like mm-hmm. we're in the image of God, both male and female. So it's it's even like... Even our image of Godness isn't just me. I'm in the image of God. You're in the image of God. You're in the image of God. Like, no, collectively, yes, we are in the image of God. Yes. It's and not just, you know. Yeah. But anyway. Sorry. No, right. And that's part of the dilemma. It's part mm-hmm. of it's part of being a part of a culture, the and a, a culture that's individually driven. It's part of building one's own kingdoms. It's it's part of the idea that I am onto myself and uh, mm-hmm. um, all of those things, and it's 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 part of it's part of the great tension of the church today in trying to explain to people that that really a better life resides in a communal environment mm-hmm. rather than in isolation. You can say it; it's just not believed. Yeah, because. Then, then I'm I'm then lost in in that community. My individuality is lost in it for the greater good. Well, you know, I I said that as a question on purpose because I think people go, I don't think that's the greater good. The greater good is me being elevated, me being seen, me being, and so therein lies a great tension that we have to wrestle with collectively as a church that's saying no. Part of part of being a part of this is our individuality gets lost to some degree in that community. It doesn't have to, but the, for us trained on individualism, that's the those are the only two options. Okay, the only two options for us are I'm an individual or I'm not. <laughs> and when Paul says, it's "Listen, not that binary." <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, when Paul says, "Listen, you, some yeah. of you were arms and some of you were hands," that there you are individual parts, right? Um, and yet your gr- identity isn't based on your individuality. Your identity is based on the the community you're a part of, right? That's just a different. That's just a different way of thinking, right? And so, so much of formation um, mm-hmm. into Jesus' life has to be done with and among others for that for that reason. We're not. We're not saved into some individual relationship with Jesus. We're saved into a people. Right. And that people has a relationship with Jesus. Right. He's the king in the kingdom. Um, which, so I, I, I want to swing back to this idea of prayer. I know mm-hmm. we kind of went yeah. down a path there. On Sunday, there was, there was partly, um, which we're trying to distinguish between a couple of things here, but um, on Sunday you mentioned going into your personal prayer closet. And yeah, yep. That's not language Jesus uses. Okay, how he just uses secret. Yes, but that's the way it was. At least I heard it. Maybe it's not the way I, I should have heard it. But there's this personal place where you go to your own place and pray to the Father in mm-hmm. private. Mm-hmm. That's that's how he said it. 
Um, how does that relate then to this idea of corporate prayer? And, and I'm, I'm not supposed to be seen while I pray. No, no. He never says that. Okay. But yeah, yeah I know he doesn't, but I'm trying to. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I totally um, get it. Okay. The, the critique isn't, hey, don't pray in public. Um, that goes against the whole spiritual nature of the community life of Israel. The critique was don't pray in public in order to be seen. Okay. And so um, if when we pray in public, we're tempted to pretend and play act, mm -hmm. well, then it's just better to, to go and pray in secret so you don't have that same temptation. Mm. You were talking about like people who use like different words and different voices. And, oh, like, totally. Like, you know. Yeah. When they go up and pray, it's like they're like it's a whole different person. Saul's totally. armor. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There's some. There's some who play Ooh, that's at. That's good. Mm -hmm. That that's good. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Susie. And then there are some of us who just trust that there's some sort of magic formula that if we can just nail the formula, uh, then God will do what we want. So we're either we either see pray praise, repent, ask, and yield. Of course. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was acts. Adore, confess, thank. Nope. Supplication. Uh, yeah, um, that was Orange County's version. Oh, jeez, <laughs> we're now into regional <laughs> acrostics. Um, Lord, expand my territory. Yeah. So Jesus. So Jesus gives us this incredible a picture of a father receiving requests from um, his children, mm -hmm. and for those who are tempted to play act, the remedy is go in secret, and for those tempted to find the formula. Jesus will give a very simple, I think, abbreviated set of, of, of benedictions that Israel prayed that uh, align, um, they align the hearts of the disciples with the heart of God's move in the world. Right. So you don't have to, there, there, there is no formula. If you really want to pray what's on the heart of God, here it is. Right. Okay. So this, this speaks exactly to where I'm going. Go. This is, this is what I wanted to get to. Do it. And then we'll be done. And we'll let everybody go about their day. Is that as you describe that, there is um, the the challenge is not to fall into the formula. Right. Right? Yeah. And so we have these prayers that we read or we have these corporate prayers that are said for us or they are part of a, you said earlier, a liturgy or a liturgy that you go through and you read those. How do you how do you keep from those becoming routine? How do you keep those from becoming just that's the formula how to many, talk to God? Let me ask you. Do a you question. understand what I'm asking? I absolutely. It's a great question. Okay. How many times have you told Lori that you love her? Six. Yep. I was done after six times. That's right. That's and that studies show that's all it takes. <clears throat> that's all it takes. How many times have you said that, do you think, in your marriage? Oh, my word. We've been married for 37 years. Right. Uh, more than 37. Yes. Yeah. On your anniversary. <laughs> Thousands, probably. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how does, that, how does that not get wrote? It's in a relationship. It, it, it has meaning. This is really good. Well, I mean, <laughs> is it possible to just, like, love mm -hmm. you, bye? Is it possible to, to yeah. make it rote? Yes, it can become non-meaningful. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, how do you know when it's not? Uh. Or how do you keep it from being that? I mean, you, I'm I'm hearing you. I'm thinking. I'm I'm. Yeah. I don't want to just give you a no. But you were you were already the the relational. What's the yeah. relational dynamic going on there? Right. Sometimes it. it okay. Let. 
when you say that, I want her to know uh, more than that I have warm feelings towards her is that I'm committed to her. She's She is the person in my life that is of great importance, the most importance, the one that I'm committed to. So love has this exchange of beyond, oh man, you look great today, I love you, to man, I'm pissed, but I love you. There's a, there is a um, commitment in that. Oh, a covenant, if you will. Okay, I was trying not to say that, but yes, covenant in that. Right. So, and it's independent of how you feel. For often. sure. For sure. Often. In fact, it means more yeah. when you don't feel it. Correct. Right. Because now it's an act of the will and of the commitment and of desire, even right. if mm-hmm. the affections aren't aren't yeah. there. Right. Right. So I would say by analogy, then, we get to worship words okay. or Bible words that Praise. we've heard a million times. Praise words. Or prayer words. Mm-hmm. And the same dynamic is at play, right? We, we sit and, and I'm uttering these words at times with the fullness of my heart. Mm-hmm. The other times I'm uttering these words as an act of the will. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I utter these words as an act of defiance against what everything around me is telling me. Okay. Right? But those all count. Now, where, where the danger is that it becomes rote is that those words get abstracted from relationship and become substitutes for the relationship. Right. Right. So if I say I love you, then I don't really have to love you. Correct. Right. And so, yeah. so when Jesus to will obey say, is better than to sacrifice. Yeah, yes. Or when Jesus will say, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Right. right. To the, to the yep. Pharisees quoting Isaiah. Yep. There, there's that same relational dynamic in play. So rote, we, we, we think rote and repetitive are, uh, the same thing. That's not true. Okay, that's a good. I can repeat. That's a really I can good repeat dis- something. Right. That it doesn't have to be fresh every time. It sometimes it represents how I'm feeling, but other times it aligns and sort of presents a target for where I should be feeling. Correct. Um, but rote is just it's empty and it becomes the substitute for the reality of the thing that I'm talking about, right? So hey, love you, love you, love you, love you. Yeah. But there's no love. Well, then that's that's become the substitute for the actual yeah. love that is to be present in my relationship, right? right? So so to me, we have to get over the hang up that repetitive is bad. Mm-hmm. Because as we all know, if you hear the same song 87 times, you learn it, you internalize it, it becomes, you can recall it, right? Repetitive isn't always bad unless it's kind of a Taylor Swift song. And and um, then an earworm, it gets in there and it's... Shake it off, baby. Shake it off. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. The one the one song, Seth Eerie, <laughs> couldn't he saw shake a video it. He couldn't to, shake it. He saw a video to it one time. Yeah. And then started shaking his booty. Yeah. And it just, it's still happening. All that is to say, um, rep- repetitive isn't it is bad. It is catchy. It is catchy. It is catchy. Yeah. Repetitive isn't bad um, unless it becomes a, the the artificial substitute for the real thing. Right. So growing up, we sat down at the table and we said a prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hand, we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for our daily bread. Amen. It became a race. Absolutely. How fast can you say it? <laughs> so we. But you knew there was no reality behind it. But that's why. That's why it was silly. There's no reality behind it, so it just becomes this nursery rhyme. Correct. How, 
Okay. This is, I think, part of the dilemma of, of for, for some people. And when I was younger, it was a dilemma for me when I did the Lord's Prayer. Like, we would do it in church every week. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Are we doing trespass or debtors today? There's a, you know, there's a, um, there's a so what element. I, when you're 10 years old and you've done yeah. it 100 times. Well, so here's where I think, like, practically speaking, I mean, there are people who are in denominations and churches that do that on a regular basis. It's right. part of their liturgy. They recite the creeds. They recite the prayers. Right. I think that God just invites us into so much more creativity in our relationship with him. And mm-hmm. there are, you know, I, I just don't think I love those things. And also, I think he invites us into... Um, mixing it up and doing things differently, <laughs> right. you know, like yep. I think to, to the person who's, who's, or the, or the community who is concerned about something being wrote, like there are so many different ways we can practice praying together, you mm-hmm. know, like there's Lexio Divina, which is like something that Big is words. amazing yeah. that, you know, right. I, I think more, more communities would benefit from doing that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it involves the reading aloud of scripture and letting it speak for itself and letting the spirit guide your prayers through the reading of scripture and silence and listening. Mm-hmm. There's centering prayer. There's what we have just been talking about, reciting yeah. prayers of the old. There's there's so many different things. And I think a lot of times when people are stuck in a prayer hole, if you will, uh-huh. it's because... <laughs> You know, rut. they're when they're in a rut. You're doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and and there's so many like prayer walking, like embodied prayer. Mm. <laughs> prayer walking, you know. I actually like, like to go prayer walking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like even like when I lead our community in prayer, I often ask ask them to breathe and mm-hmm. become aware of your breath and open your open the palms of your hands as a posture of mm-hmm. receiving or an acceptance or put your palms down in a posture of I need I need some grounding. I need Mm-hmm. I need you to help me, God. Like, yeah. find some stability. Yeah, and that's this. helpful. Yeah, it's helpful. And so I think even incorporating those things corporately as a community and making them less about me and what am I hearing from God and what am I, mm-hmm. what am I sorry for and what am I saying? Like, those are all really important and part of it. But, but we can, on a practical mm-hmm. level, if we're stuck, if we're in in a mm-hmm. rhythm of roteness and and we're just saying I love you just to say it because it's the last thing you say when you leave the house, you know, maybe yeah. changing it up. True. Quick question uh, for both of you. Did you grow up in churches? You didn't grow up going to church, Susie, right? No, I started going in high school. And you? Did you grow up going to church? I did go to Christian school, though, when I was little and did the whole Lord's Prayer. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you? Was that your experience growing up? Oh. Uh, Going to church, yes, that was my experience. Okay, yeah, Lord's Prayer. Um, I did it. <laughs> we were, we were part of something called Indian Guides back in the in the Midwest, and it was fathers and sons, mm-hmm. and we would recite the Lord's Prayer as a part of that. Okay, thing, yeah. but we did not do it in in church. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, but that's where I first learned it. Uh huh. In the King James. 
Oh yes, yes, it was always in there. And I can't, and I can't get over it. It's just in there. Yeah, yeah. I learned it, and when I was really little in Anglican school. Anglican school. Nice. So, there's yeah, and I learned it in Sunday school. So there's a, um, it's part of it's part of our ingrained mm-hmm. faith journey, for lack of a better term, our walk with God. Um, and so with that, uh, just to kind of put a bow on this conversation, if I can, um, is it is it a um, a part of your faith journey now? The Lord's Prayer? Yeah. It is by far the most important part of my faith journey. Wow. Oh, yeah. Stretch that out a little bit. Oh, my goodness. It has totally changed the way I pray, relate to God. Hmm. It has been... And, and I pray it differently every time, but I'll just sit and I'll go, okay, our Father, mm-hmm. God, and I'll think, okay, God, how, how have you parented me? Mm-hmm. And just sit in that for short or long. Yeah. Who is in heaven, the one in the heavens. And sometimes I pull up pictures of the Hubble telescope, or I'll just sit in nature and just go, my goodness, and, and try to sit in the tension of he's so close and yet he's so big. Mm. Um, right. And then hallowed be thy name. Um, God, I want to be per- somebody who carries your name well today. I volunteer for that. Mm. So when I pray that, I'm not asking that you would honor your name. Right. That I would honor your name. Yeah, that we would honor That's your right. name. And then um, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then and then it's just like, okay, so what's the, what's the kingdom coming look like in me? Mm-hmm. And then in my marriage, and then in my family, and then in my work, and then in my community. Mm-hmm. And it's just this ever-expanding. I mean, and so I'll sit. I can... I can I can do that in five minutes or I can do that in an hour. Yeah. But it has completely changed the way I see prayer, I practice prayer, and I relate mm-hmm. relate to the Father. It is um it has been no short of life changing for me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But it's not the rote version. Right. It's not just the let me yeah. get it real right. fast. Yeah. It's not you know right. it's not my blessing over my dinner. That's right. That's right. 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 So it's for me it is it is I that Jesus gives permission to pray for daily bread yeah mm-hmm. uh, that i would forgive those who've hurt me as i ask for forgiveness um the war against temptation however you understand that petition mm-hmm. i mean all of that is it's incredibly for me it's incredibly powerful to receive permission to just ask and some of the prayer requests that have come in from last week mm. seem to have some sort of anxiety around i don't know if it's okay to ask yeah. for this yeah and um, and I totally understand that. But in in the Lord's Prayer, you get a picture of the Father who wants you to ask because He knows. Mm-hmm. We think, oh, He knows, so why ask? For Jesus, it was you should ask because He already knows. He's not <laughs> yeah. He's not at all embarrassed, right? I mean, yeah. He knows already. So anyway, for me, it's been it's been really powerful. Yeah, Susie. Um, I remember like when I first met you, you shared that with me. And so I've actually adopted a little bit of that in my practice since mm-hmm. you, I heard you talk about it one time. And, um, I, but I think over the, over the last, um, eight years in particular, it has come to mean more to me mm. again. Um, and so I, I will sometimes just take parts of it, you know, depending mm-hmm. on where I'm at or where we're at. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'll camp on it. So, you know, I I struggle with a scarcity mindset often. Hmm. So, 
um, that give us this day, our daily bread is mm-hmm. a big one for me and, and helps me to stay in this day and, and right. to become content and grateful and thankful for what I have in this day. Cause yeah. he doesn't say, ask for the next day's bread. Nope. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's a hearkening yeah. to the, uh, and, um, yeah, so I've just, that's an example of like the different parts, like the hallowed be your name and, um, and the, you know, like Mike said, the warring against the, against temptation, resisting temptation and mm-hmm. all the things that, that I'm often tempted by, you know? So it, for me, it has been very instructive as a way to pray, yeah. but also, also the, the words in particular, because they're Jesus's have been very meaningful. And particularly in the last couple, in the last few years, as my heart has become even more um, turned, like hopefully turned towards justice. Um, Mm, Yeah. You know, the, the words of on earth as it is in heaven Mm. are very meaningful for me right now because You know, I know some people think like, well, it's never going to be what we want it to be until Jesus comes back and, and all that. But, but in the meantime, we're, we're called to ask for on earth as it is in heaven. Like there's, there's a process and a part of that, that, and a big part of that prayer that, that we're, we're called to pray, not just with our words, but with the way we live our lives on earth as it is in heaven. And so, um, so that's, that's been very formative for me the last what about you um yeah it over the years it's taking on different meanings for me and um part of the big over the last i would say 10 years of my life has been the we and the our and Mm -hmm. the corporateness of it Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out as a pastor how does that work how does that how do we how do we form a community around this idea and then the other the other part of it was (laughs) i didn't realize probably 15 years ago, maybe a little longer, is actually it's not keep us from evil, it's keep us from the evil one. Um, and we were, I was always taught just evil. Mm-hmm. And so it was the avoidance of evil rather than a understanding that there is a will, there is an, an evil one with a will that's counterproductive to mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And how that changed my prayers and how it changed that interacted with that which is... Um, different from an abstract idea or a force of evil versus a personality with a will that is trying to trying to thwart the evil or the good of God. So, um, so those are things over the years, but it's the corporateness of it for me that has, has been most elusive, um, because we don't corporately identify well. Mm. So with that, I'm hoping that you guys have a great week Thanks for joining me, Susie and Mike, and thank you for sharing your personal insights. And uh, we will see you next week on Journey Now. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you would share a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story and tag us at journey underscore TN. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app.